Every time we sing that song, it uh, seems to me like I've already heard a sermon. That's a beautiful song. I love it. Amen. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Uh, the, the English have the, what they call the 12 days of Christmas, and I guess we could say we're having the seventh this day of Christmas this time. Because it, this is a Christmas sermon in some ways, in some ways it's not. And I'll let you judge which is which. Amen. We're... Find, want to find out what, why Jesus came, who he is, and what he's done for us. And that, by the way, that's kind of the theme of that song we just wish to just say. And again, I, I love that old song. And our key verses this morning, are beginning in verse 8, is verse 8 through 14. But we're going to read few more verses in that because uh, it is the Christmas story basically or a part of it uh, I don't know whether I need both of these or not not uh, echoing or anything out there is it okay and there's one thing I have to have before I get started I have to have my eyes <laughs> And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now the, new, the, the King James says taxed. And uh, they may have been registering them, but they were going to tax them too. That's what that was all about. This census first took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to the city into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with his with his Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And our key verses start here. Now there was in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And he will, this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
let us go to Bethlehem and see the things which have come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. That, that had to be quite an experience to see angels like that. I, I've never seen an angel, but I'm sure that if I saw one, I'd be duly impressed. You probably have. <laughs> it came, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they were told by them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God and all for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Now, there's a hymn, that, uh, a Christmas carol that fits here. Uh, I'm not a singer, but I'm going to give it an attempt. It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's most gracious king. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Beautiful old song goes on, goes on though to tell us of 2,000 years of wrong, of sin, and of war. It tells us of those who with, who with painful steps walked their way through a sinful and a terrible world towards a peace with man and a peace with God. It reminds us that the prophets have foretold that one day there shall be a golden age when Jesus will reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. But until then, we are to hear the angels sing. Actually, what the Bible scripture says that what the angels said, but the writer of the carol you took po poetic license, they call it, and he had the angels singing. If they weren't singing, they had plenty to sing about, and so do we. For heaven's most gracious king was doing something in that day that still causes us to hush our noise and hear the angels sing. An old illustration has been used many times. I've used it. Others have used it. You've heard it, I'm sure. But in the midst of World War I, at the height of bitter trench warfare, on Christmas Day, Peace descended over the battlefield. And men from both sides refused to fire a shot at the enemy. And they met in no man's land and exchanged small luxuries and sang carols. They were, had heard the angels sing. 
After World War II, two men met on a hunting trip by chance. One was an American, the other was Japanese. The American shared how he ex had experienced a Christmas of peace in the midst of a bloody war in the Pacific. And the Japanese shared that he was the commander on the other side who ordered the ceasefire of his troops. They had met. It was just by chance. They too had heard the angels sing. So the question is, what was God doing in that day? Well, in point number one this morning, he was sending Messiah. And who is Messiah? According to Isaiah chapter 42, he is the Lord's servant. In whom the Spirit of the Lord, in whom is the Spirit of the Lord, in whom God delights, and who shall judge the Gentiles. He shall be gentle and lowly in his attitude and actions to others. He is called righteousness and given for a covenant to the people and a light to the Gentiles. He is to bring sight to the blind and set prisoners free. That is a, a mouthful right there, what the Lord can do and did do when he, in his incarnation. My Messiah would be born of a woman, a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and Isaiah 49, 1. God has given him the tongue of the learned to know how to speak the word in season, and God has given him an ear for the Lord. That God would be born of a, a virgin and the virgin birth, and there are many today who don't believe that. I do. 100%. The truth is that the old sin nature that we have is passed through the father, not through the mother. And that's why he was born of a virgin. That's why he was, well, special in every way. Messiah gave his back to be smitten and his cheeks to those who pulled out his beard. But he set his face like flint, knowing that God would uphold him. And justify him and he would not be ashamed Isaiah chapter 50 he was despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief yet he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Messiah is God's anointed. He is God's suffering servant. His name is Jesus. He is the incomparable Christ and Messiah in Greek. There is none like him before he came 
and there shall never be anyone like him again. We think of servants as those who come to serve, but they also come to suffer. Here we find God's suffering and dying servant, suffering and dying for us. Truly, it is as the hymn writer has said, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. He died for my sin, which are considerable, by the way, and for yours as well. God was not just sending Messiah and suffering and suffering servant. He was also reconciling man to himself. And it's an important part of Baptist theology and a great truth of God that there exists a great gulf, a great chasm, a separation between us and God, and it is caused by our sin. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote, there's nothing good in me. We could all say that, every one of us here this morning. There is nothing good in us. If there's nothing good in the Apostle Paul, then there's certainly nothing good in us. And he went on to write, the things I want to do and should do, I do not do. And that's the way we are as well. And those things I should do, not do those things I do. He was pointing out that man is depraved in his nature and inclined towards sin. That means that there is nothing that has not been infected by the power of sin. Jeremiah wrote, the heart is deceitfully, deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? All men were and are sinners. And sin has brought condemnation, death, alienation, and eternal separation from God. Clearly, man couldn't help himself, and clearly God, man couldn't, couldn't uh, save himself. And he would not call it out to God as he should. So God, in his love, reached out to man. That's why God sent the angel Gabriel to the city of, of Nazareth to appear to a teenage girl. A teenage girl, and that's uh, to us who are older, that seems, why a teenage girl? But a teenage girl it was to the city of Nazareth and appeared to her. Her name was Mary. They were there to announce the birth of God, only begotten Son, and tell her that his name shall be called Jesus. The, you know the meaning of the name, Jesus, Jehovah saves. And he sure does. This tiny baby whose birth was announced by angels to the shepherds foretold in the Holy Scriptures and born in the city of David is God reaching out to lost and dying mankind in love. 
this tiny infant God, with this tiny infant God spanned the mighty gulf between himself and us caused by our sin. What marvelous words, such divine grace, what tender love. For there is to you this day born in the city of David, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What was God doing in that ancient day? And this is point three. He was coming to the world in the human form. Remember one time I was a young man, probably I was in my 20s, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, in the Army. I, I, I suppose we had a TV in the day room, company day room, but who wants to go over there and argue all the time over what we're going to watch? <laughs> we got one TV and a couple of hundred men. <laughs> so I didn't have the TV habit, but I did have a radio that I listened to. And I remember listening to a black preacher. And I think his name was E.V. Hill. Any of you remember E.V. Hill? He was a very godly black preacher. Anyway, he, I, the, I, the statement I remember him saying it was that God got himself in a body, a human body, and come into the world to save us from our sins. And that's exactly what it was all about. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, became a man through the Virgin Mary and lived among us for some 33 years. The birth of Jesus Christ means that God was not content to simply think good, th think good thoughts about us or love us from afar while keeping a safe distance. It means that God has visited us for our salvation. It means that Jesus Christ counted equality with God as not something to be held on to, but humbled himself, wore the mantle of a servant, and became obedient all the way to death on the Roman cross, actually allowing himself to be put to death like a criminal, knowing that God would raise him and exalt him. And what is it we say on he is risen? And the answer is he is risen indeed. Because he did. Uh, if God will do that for him, he'll do that for us because of our faith. God would come into the world in human form and live as we live and suffer and die for your sins and my sins is the truest example of love that we'll ever see in this world. Jesus was and is perfect man and perfect God all in one. Someone I heard of years ago trying to witness to a Muslim, and the Muslim couldn't get over the fact that 
God, Jesus was God and man at the same time. And he said he can't be. And they have a saying in, in, in Islam that it is not meet that God should have a son. Uh, denying Jesus Christ. And uh, some of the Jews still today still deny Christ. And Gentiles as well. Others as well. I All I can do is wish them well and pray that they will repent and believe. But fa failing that, they will have a terrible fate. In Jesus, God was in fact sending forgiveness in the form of a man. As the perfect and sinless man, Jesus was in the only perfect sacrifice for our sins. As God, Jesus had and still has the right to forgive sin. Jesus is God, the only God we will ever see. He is holy, sinless, loving, perfect, and forgiving. Sin separates us from our friends, our family, from our better selves, and most terribly of all, it separates us from God. And that is why Jesus, God in human flesh, came into the world. Sin stains our souls as black as midnight. No matter how hard we try, we can never wash it clean. But Jesus can. What was God doing for that faraway ancient day? He was sending a sacrifice for sin, a substitute to die in our place. One songwriter has put it in perspective for us when he wrote, Shall I tell you what brought me to Jesus? What causes me to seek his blessed face? It was this, that to save and to cleanse me, he just put himself in my place. And that's what he done for all of us. He put himself in our place. Oh, he felt my load in the garden. My guilt he did carry to the tree. I was lost, condemned unto judgment, but my Lord himself died for me. Soon he's coming again from glory. The prophet of God's on this agree. Until then, this others, I'm telling, that for them he died, as for me. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word and the opportunity to share it. We pray your blessings on all that are, are here this morning. We pray to see this church filled to capacity and people saved and lives changed. We pray for our country, Lord. We pray for a great awakening, for a revival, that our people will turn from sin and turn and seek your face. Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.